Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are recording another show from the venue of ASI 2021. It's the International Convention here in Orlando, Florida. Across from me is just another remarkable guest. I just had the privilege of meeting Gabriel McClover. Gabriel, it is great to have you here in the virtual studio with us. Good to be here. Gabriel, you've got an interesting life story, and uh, I'm just getting to know you. My listeners will be in the same position. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Gabriel McClover. Um, I am from originally from uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, me and my wife, we moved to Somerville, Georgia to be be some farmers. We wanted to grow produce. We wanted to uh, be uh, <laughs> be farmers. And, and as we were working, it was an opportunity for us to open a restaurant. And uh, I spent 10 years in corporate America and various different sales uh, experience in various different uh, positions in three Fortune 500 companies. And as we embarked on this restaurant, um, we, me and my wife found something that we were very passionate about, which is health. So we've had people in our family die from lifestyle diseases that mm. simply can be reversed. Mm-hmm. And as we started educating ourselves on eating healthier, and growing our own food, we found that we found our life's passion, and we said, uh-huh. "Let's open a restaurant." We, the Lord, uh, got. We have been placed in uh, a situation where we're in the sickest, uh, one of the sickest counties in the state of Georgia. And so, as we were just seeing the need in our in our in in our community, we decided to say, "You know what? Let's do something about it." So we opened a restaurant. And in that restaurant, we wanted to educate the community on what it is like to introduce more of a healthier lifestyle, either introducing more fresh fruits and vegetables into the community. So at the beginning, it was a challenge. You know, we opened a restaurant in a very rural area. Mm-hmm. It's 4,000 population. Most people okay, think, wow. you're crazy opening a restaurant in, uh, in, in a small town and people never heard of vegetarian food and you, and this is what you're going to do. And I'm like, well, I think this is what the direction we wanted to go to, and as we were as we were working in the community, uh, things just happened. People came and they started tasting the food, and they started saying, "Wow, this tastes this actually tastes really really good." Uh-huh. And I remember one time a guy came and ate the food, and he go, "Wow, this is really really good." And he goes, "I said, what do you what were you expecting?" I was joking with him. You expected us to serve grass on the plate? He goes, "Yeah," and I was like, "Wow." So that's a little bit about us. Well, this is an exciting background. It's obvious as you're talking that you're a person of faith. Yeah. And uh, you have this direction from the Creator, mm-hmm. pointing things out for you, that's letting right. you know your calling in life. I'm thinking of many of my Native listeners, many in rural areas. They're listening to this story. And uh, some of them might be saying, is this something that anybody could do in a rural area? Does it really take a, a special person with a special commitment? Because that's kind of what I'm reading between the lines. I don't know. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think with anything in life, you got to have some passion behind what you're doing. You can't just say, hey, I, I, somebody did something, so I'm going to try to replicate that. There has to be some type of passion involved. And the passion for us was we wanted to grow fresh fruits and vegetables in our community. And what we did as we opened a restaurant, we found that 
our food cost in our restaurant was incredibly low because we were growing things from our garden and producing it for our restaurant. Nice, nice. Well, what I love about what you're doing is um, folks throughout the, the country, and especially in Indian country, are turning to things like community gardens, yeah. trying to get reconnected with their roots because many tribes, strong agricultural base prior to European contact. That's right. And so a lot of folks are saying, yes, this is the direction our tribe's going. What you've done is you've taken this, uh, a lot of people would say, in a commercial direction because not only are you talking about providing for your family, your home, but you're saying, we're going to take this and we're going to use the crops that we're growing as part of a restaurant. That's right. Now, here's the big question that I've got. You're in Georgia, right? That's right. I mean, you can't grow everything that you need for a restaurant, can you? Aren't you having to, to source a, a lot of stuff from outside? This is the beautiful thing about it. My goal, and, and, and to me, when you're starting thing, everything has some type of definite aim. When we started this whole concept, I said, I told my wife, I want to have a positive food cost for our restaurant. They're like, are you crazy? Like, how are you going to do a positive food cost? So what we grow is some of our expensive things that we can grow. You know, oh, tomatoes okay. are expensive. Um, you know, we do uh, a lot of green beans. We do... we. We grow peppers are very expensive. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So we grow the things that are very, very expensive. And then what we do, we sell the produce to the community. And okay. then we take that what we sell and we put it back into our food costs. So ah. we're able to utilize a business plan that we can be a lot more profitable. And it's just really just sitting down and just really thinking about it and being strategic on what your menu is going to be, what are the type of foods you want to serve. And then as you use different technologies that are out there in terms of agriculture using like landscape fabrics and 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 you know automatic watering systems you can actually grow things and not be in the garden all the time okay so very strategic so let's get a picture here how big an operation is this how many people are buying produce from you in a week how many people are you serving in the restaurant so our average now the cool thing about our restaurant is we do something called the fit challenge the Fit Challenge? Fit Challenge. It's called Food Inspiring Total Transformation Challenge. Whoa. So what we do is we use food as an entering wedge and to, to get to know people. Okay. And then what we do, we have tools on the back end to help people have total transformation. So as they go through our program and we find that, they, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with financial issues. we got an online course that they can be connected with that they can actually solve that problem no so, wait a minute wait a minute you've got your own online yes, right. financial planning yep. course it's called we partner with a lot of different people it's uh -huh. not just us you know that's the beautiful thing we partner with people we don't we don't try to recreate the wheel if we have somebody as people go through our program they they get whole food plant-based meals uh -huh. for for 10 days and then they see the benefits of it but as we're our coaches are interacting with them we're starting to see other things that are being uncovered and that's why we say food inspiring total transformation because it's not just food. Food is a way to get our bodies feeling better. But then if I'm still dealing with other issues, we have those tools in mind. So in our restaurant, we have people who sign up for our 10-day challenge who prepay meals. And so we use that as operating. I mean, so we got 10 or 20 people who sign up for the program. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Now, I'm, I'm getting a very interesting picture here. So you're not just serving the person who comes, you know, once a month, walks through the doors. I mean, you're doing that, obviously. Yes. But you'll meet someone and they'll say, hey, Gabriel, 
my, you go by Gabriel or yes, Gabriel? Gabriel? Okay. Yeah. So, hey, Gabriel, you know, my diabetes is out of control. And you'll share with them this 10-day program. It's like a lifestyle program. You it's run exactly out of the restaurant. It is. It's, it's, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the lifestyle center. These are places that centers are all across the, the world where people go and they go to a retreat and they go get detox and they come out and they're feeling great. Mm-hmm. So what we found in our community that, number one, we're at poverty line or below in okay, our community. Okay. And most people can't afford that, the, right, the price. Right. And then at the same time, they can't take off 7, 10, 14 days mm-hmm. off of work and still have a job when they come back. Mm-hmm. So we created a program where we bring the concept of a lifestyle center to them. Wow. So they come into the restaurant. They, they just got back from the doc. And mm-hmm. the doc says, hey, you got high blood pressure. Or your, your cholesterol is elevated. Mm-hmm. And they, they come in and say, Can I, you, what detox juice do you have? And I'm like... What do you mean by de- every juice in here is essentially a detox juice? <laughs> okay. What do you mean? And they start to tell us their history. And I said, hey, we have something called the Fit Challenge. And what you can do, what we've seen, we've worked with over 1,000 people on this program. Really? 1,000 oh. people from that community? Oh, all over. Not only in Somerville, but within the hour radius of our restaurant. Really? And so the now, word's getting out. Word's getting out. Everything is word of mouth. We haven't done any any advertising. And now now we're here at a convention like this showing that we've we have actually, during COVID, Everybody was locked out. Yeah, yeah. But guess what? People still need to eat. Uh huh. So we took the ten day challenge on the road. Nice. So we traveled to twenty two states last year. Twenty two states last year, all during COVID, and we would go and we were delivering food. We would come and say, "Hey, we got a, a beautiful program. Not only to reverse your diabetes, but also boost your immunity as well." Hmm. And we go and we we started working with different church organizations, different. Other other uh, nonprofit organizations, and they said our community needs these things, and so this is what we this is what the program is. So when we when people come into our restaurant and we say, well, how many people do you serve in the restaurant? Well, technically our hours are very reduced, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have ten, twenty, thirty people on mm-hmm. the ten day challenge. Mm-hmm. They prepay to go through the program. Our overhead is very very low because mm-hmm. we grow our own stuff, and now we're able to pass that on to the to the person. So now a person who couldn't afford $1,000 in a lifestyle center, they can have a low investment. And then that now what we – I love it. This is what I tell everybody to go through the program. Um, we're going we're gonna to force you to be a grown-up. So we're going to do our part. We're going to give you nutrition. We're going to give you the education. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you the coaching. But there is going to be a schedule that we want you to follow. Okay. So I'm not going to call you at 7 o'clock and say, hey, did you get – are you getting up? Did you drink your eight, eight ounces of water? All right, what, what time are you going to exercise? I'm not going to call you at 9 o'clock and say, hey, are you getting ready to go to bed? I said, if you want to take charge of your health, you have to be a grown-up. But you're seeing these people every day? They come into the, the restaurant every we day? Actually How does deliver. work? We deliver. No way. Yes. You so deliver every de- day? Every single day except for Friday. We do deliver Friday and Saturday meals on Friday. So it's a beautiful thing because what we want to do is not just – delivering it's not just giving people food and saying goodbye we want mm-hmm. to develop relationships mm-hmm. so when we're delivering the food we're going to like how are you feeling today mm. how's the food portions what challenges are, how are you feeling and then we go back and we do that the second day and the third day and we're able to adjust because a lot of times people say well why don't you just you know freeze some meals and send it to them but i'm like yeah my margins may be better but that's not the purpose of why we're doing this mm-hmm. we want to build relationships with people because we live in such a cold world nobody cares and we at our restaurant, while we founded that program, we care, we want to, we care about our community. We want them to be healthy. So we go that extra mile. We'll go out and exercise with them. We'll go and, and do these things. And as we've done that, the word spreads like wildfire. We said these people actually care about us. 
Now, now I'm listening to what you're describing, Gabriel, and I can imagine a tribal health director. I can imagine someone who's, you know, working with tribal health issues. They're saying, wow, this is a model that might work with some of our team. Mm -hmm. We might like to do something like this. You've told us already that during the pandemic, you were traveling around the country. That's right. I mean, do you work with other entities? Would you work with a, a, a tribe if they reached out to you? Absolutely. We were in South Dakota, and I don't remember the tribe that we were with. We visited during COVID. We visited them, and they were very interested in bringing this program to the um, to the reservation. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking, and we were talking logistically on how things, how we can do it, um, the door closed because now they, when COVID got really hot, they closed down the oh, reservation okay. so nobody can go in and out. Okay. But now our, as things starting to let up, we literally had a strategic plan of how we wanted to go in there and do some health meetings for the tribe, you know, get some local entities, bring out food, bring out different things, have a, a plant-based feast, hmm. if you will. Okay. And this is going to be an introduction to healthier eating. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we're passionate about. I went and I went to these places and I went to one of the reserva- at that reservation and I was just surprised. It was a shock to my senses to see the the poverty the the things that it shouldn't be right it shouldn't you you kind of get frustrated like wait a minute why is this happening uh, especially when you know Native Americans they are out there they they they're known for growing food and things like that so I'm like how can we help from our standpoint with Fit Challenge to come out there and help so we're more than happy to go out and help and partner with share the experiences share systems that can work that could be sustainable. So tell us a little bit about how someone gets a hold of you if someone says, I want to explore some of these relationships. So the best way to get in contact with us is to, uh, to email us at info at fitt-challenge.com, info at fit-challenge.com. Um, and from there, um, you can get in contact with our team, and our team will, will then uh, logistically set up a time that we can set up a Zoom call, and we can just go from there. Okay, great. I've got the information in front of me, Gabriel. Gabriel McClover, he's the founder, the CEO, if you didn't pick up on this. If you want to get a hold of him and his team, simply go to info at email, info at fit hyphen challenge, and fit is spelled F-I-T-T, fit hyphen challenge dot com. Have I got it? That's right. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your busy Thank schedule, you, Gabriel. Yes, been a Success pleasure. Success to you. Yes. Okay. We're going to come back with more on today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Don't go away. A lot of great guests coming up as we continue today's episode. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. 
furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm. Then I heard about the USDA's loan program for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. It's for women and minorities who may be having trouble getting credit. Once I was approved, the USDA's Farm Service Agency helped me get the credit I needed. Now I don't have to sell, and I can pass the farm down to my kids the way Jim's dad passed it down to him. I know he'd like that. Contact your local USDA service center or visit www.fsa.usda.gov. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to today's edition of the broadcast. It is great to be here in Orlando, Florida. It is August of 2021, and if you haven't been in Florida this time of year, yes, it is warm. But there's also a lot of warm people here. I've got two other individuals. I'm excited about what they're doing, even though I don't know all the details. They're making a difference in Indian country. Jason Sevick and Ann Crosby, great to have you guys here with me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting us. Ann, you are someone, the last name Crosby. I know folks say Crosby, if they're regular listeners, they've heard about your family. You've been living in Page for yes. some time. Uh-huh. Uh, how long have you lived there? Um, about seven years. Seven years. Yes. And give us uh, a little perspective on where that's at in your life path. What are you doing with your life right now? So right now I'm a college student. So I'm living in Page and doing um, online college. And I work um, as a volunteer at our summer day camp program. Okay. This Now this is getting really exciting because we want to speak especially about this summer day camp program. So we've yes. got a, a college student in Ann. What about you, Jason? What's your background? I'm also a college student. I'm uh, going to the university in Washington. Uh, I'm down in Page for the summer, uh, helping out Ann with the little day camp that they've got going there, and it's a lot of fun. Okay, so Ann, I'm hearing this term, little day camp. So two, three uh, local children? (laughs) Not that little. So we have um, anywhere from 12 to 15 children Wow. coming, yes. Okay, so this is, uh, I mean, it's small, but 12 to 15, I mean, that's a, that's it's a, a good very, group. It's a very nice group. I, yes. mean, I like that number. And uh, Jason, so tell us, if I were to show up at the day camp, is it something that's still running or is it completed for the summer season or where are we at in the stream of time? 
So it is completed for the summer season this year. Mm -hmm. Usually we go a little bit longer, but we had to cut it short this year because of COVID. Okay. Uh, but usually goes about 10 weeks long. We did just three weeks this year. Um, but you show up typical day and uh, we teach kids good, uh, valuable lessons. Uh, we have worship with them, include a little bit of spirituality in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we teach them practical skills as well. We've got a little community garden there. Uh, we have animals that they tend to and feed. And so uh, a lot of really cool things that we're teaching these kids uh, that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. Wow. So, Anne, give us an idea of the age range of the children that we're speaking about. So generally we accept children like ages 8 to 12. That's normally. This year we had some younger children as well, um, 6, 7 years old. Wow. And are they all just from right around there in Page? Yeah, some from the reservation. Mm-hmm. Just right, you know, three miles away from Paige. So, okay. Yeah. So you've been doing this for a while now, Ian. Is that right? Yes. And what season are we in? How many years have you been doing the day program? I think this, we've done it for about four years okay. now. So this is the fourth year. So you've been polishing the program. Is that safe to say yes. every year better yes, than last sure. year? Yes, for sure. Yes. Okay. And um, why did you start it? Were you the one that started it? Or was this a dream of your family? Or tell, tell yeah. us about that. Well, our whole family, we've noticed like a need in the community for like quality um, educational activities for children during the summer, especially during the summer when there's no school. Mm -hmm. um, we had parents come to us and tell us like our children are going to be on the streets, like we don't have anything for them to do during the summer. So we wanted to provide, we wanted to fill that need in our community. Very nice. Very nice. So tell us a little bit more. Um, we're hearing from two college students who have a vision to make a difference with the children in a area that's, you know, not a huge area, not a, right? You're not drawn from thousands of people there. Is that correct? Well, there, yeah, we have a, there's a large group of people. Really? How, what's the population of Page? Uh, about 8,000. Oh, it is? Okay. You guys yeah. are educating me. I haven't been right to Page, even though I've been in that area. I was thinking it was a little bit more rural. Okay. So you got 8,000 in Page. Yes. Okay. Well, so I'm getting an education like some of my listeners are saying, you know, Dr. DeRose, you got to come out here. You got to got to know the lay of the land out here. But um, so, eight thousand individuals. Word is spreading by word of mouth. Twelve to fifteen students for this three weeks. You had pretty much the same kids all along, or you do a different curriculum every week, or how does that work? So uh, we do do a few different things every week. Uh, we try to keep a little bit of consistency. Uh, we go to the lakes every Tuesday and Thursday because, mm -hmm. as you know, it's Arizona. It gets hot. Mm -hmm. So we need to keep some fun stuff for the kids that they look forward to. Uh, but we like to shake it up a little bit. And uh, the groups of kids, it generally stays the same. We might uh, lose a kid for a week or gain another kid for a week. Uh, but in general, it stays pretty consistent. Okay. So it's like a one-week session or a one-week program. Is that how it works, Ann? Yeah. Uh -huh. And are there different themes or is it... People just say, hey, this this works with our schedule. How do you determine who ends up where? Um, it depends. Um, normally, we do have people sign up for, like, all three weeks. Most parents want their kids there for all three weeks. Mm -hmm. It depends what works with their schedule, yeah. Okay. So before COVID, when you had programming running for 12 weeks or whatever, was that the same kind of story that most of the kids came every week? Yes. And is this a free service? Is there a charge for it? How does that work? So uh, there is a small charge, but we have donors and sponsors uh, oh, nice. that help out with the uh, cost for some of the kids. Uh, some of the kids don't have that much money, and mm -hmm. uh, we really, we're not doing this for the money. We're doing it for the kids. Uh, mm -hmm. We saw a need. We're filling the need. 
And uh, if money is an issue, we try to help out with that. So, Anne, I've heard that you're quite the organizer. Now, granted, that did come from your mother, who uh, has a high opinion of you, which is much appreciated. Have you actually written things, curricular things that might be of use to other community day camp programs? Yeah, that could be a possibility, especially for the future. Um, Because I write out, like, before day camp started, I was doing a lot of planning of the activities that we were going to do, just so that it's especially focused to fill the needs of the children who are coming Mm -hmm. and the activities we're going to do, that they're educational and that they're fun, exciting for the kids. Okay. Now, the, the immediate question that I'm starting to ask in my mind is, two college students doing something that's not a typical summer job um and do you have a vision for education or something is that uh, kind of your niche in life or what do you what do you study yes, in college for sure uh-huh. um i'm studying elementary education okay so that's my passion to help uh-huh. the children oh that's great i mean you're getting an amazing uh, experience amazing training and uh, already using your skills that you're learning right yes what about you jason what does the future look like for you uh, I'm currently studying business at Walla Walla University. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not directly related to the day camp, I suppose, uh-huh. uh, but it is nice to work with people. I like people. I like uh, interacting with them. And, uh, it's just nice to get a little bit of experience with kids. That's tremendous. So let's talk about it this way. Folks are listening from throughout Indian country to this broadcast. They're saying, wow, this is pretty amazing. Uh, you know, College students taking initiative, doing programming that's making a difference. Uh, in their community. What about other folks listening to this show? Talk to other college students. Should they think about doing something similar? Or is this something, hey, you got to have a special vision for this because you start running a day camp, and uh, if you're not committed, you're going to be out of this uh, pretty soon. Well, you have any insights for us there? I think anyone can be a part, for sure. Okay. Jason, was this more than you uh, bargained for when you signed up for the program? Uh, You know, I didn't really know what to expect when I signed up for the program. Uh And uh, I'd say that turned out very good. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Um, Like I said, I didn't really have many expectations, but I was able to handle it. Uh, There was nothing that I felt like I couldn't handle there. So I think that uh, pretty much anyone could do this uh, if they put their mind to it. So do me a favor now and talk to someone who may be... uh, a mother, grandparent, aunt, uncle. A lot of times I hear things from relatives saying, boy, our kids have too much time on their hands, like you shared earlier, Ann, right? Yes. Getting into trouble. or What would you advise them to do if they're in a community that doesn't have resources like this or if they don't have access to a day camp, if you will, uh, that's affordable? Um, I would say, uh, you know, you could get outside. You could do some activities with your kids. Uh, if you can't afford to send them somewhere or there's no programs like this around you, uh, you know, there's dirt in your backyard. You could go out there. You could plant a plant. And kids enjoy that stuff. They like working with their hands. And, uh, you know, you'll be surprised how fast time flies when you're out there digging in the dirt and uh, just watching kids enjoy it. Okay. Go ahead, Ian. It's just simple things, I would mm-hmm. say, too. I mean, we don't have anything. This isn't some special thing. It's It's simple things that are special to the kids. Uh, I think that's great. So I'm trying to read between the lines, and I'm starting to wonder, well, did this all start with a young lady five years ago who was kind of bored herself and trying to get something happening, or was it just this passion to teach 
and wanted to use that or kind of a combination of the above. Tell us a little bit what was going through your mind because it sounds like you were the driving force for starting this whole program. Am I reading too much into it? Um, no, I mean, it's a combination of all of that. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I know what it's like to, you know, not have enough to do, right? In the summer, you know, it's supposed to be a fun time. And so, um, yeah, I wanted there to be things for other children to do. And I really love working with the children. So That is so great. Now, if someone says, boy, I want to learn more about this, is there a place they can go to learn more about your program? Well, uh, you could contact the page All Nations Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, that's where we've been running the day camp out of. And um, just ask to talk to Anne. I'm sure she would love to fill you in on that. Okay. Page All Nations Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yep. Just Google it. Yep. Uh, it should come up, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You guys are great. Thanks for uh, stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone, or a lot, depending on the case. <laughs> and uh, we're just excited for you. Keep us posted, okay? Sure thing. We're going to step away. we got some other guests coming up as we continue today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Don't go away. A lot more things that will inspire you and challenge you. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org. Or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart, and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samhsa.gov support. That's S-A-M-H-S-A slash support. Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, Ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth. If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov slash meth. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. 
Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are here in Orlando, Florida. We're recording in August of 2021. And across from me is someone, well, at least whose last name you will recognize if you've been with us from the top of the hour. Her name is Nancy Crosby. Nancy, it's great to have you with us. Yes, thanks for having me. Now, my astute listeners will realize that the last young lady who is sitting in, well, a very similar seat, seat beside you, was a young lady by the name of Ann Crosby. Any relationship there? My, it's uh, my daughter, yes. Tremendous. Nancy, I know you've been... Um, trying to make a difference in Indian country for many years. I know you've been encouraged by what Native Americans have have brought to your life and to your family's Absolutely. life and trying to make that a reciprocal relationship. And a lot of folks who know you, they're aware that one of the things you've embraced is something that's, uh, I think, just getting stronger and stronger throughout Indian country, and that's community gardens. Yes. So yes. for those who don't know about your work in that realm. Tell us a little bit about uh, those gardens in right there in Page, Arizona. Okay, David. So when we first um, started this, since since we're talking about uh, my daughter, Anne, when we first moved to Indian Country there in Page, um, Arizona, she saw different things, and she said that she was going to apply for a grant to start a community garden to help provide produce to um, the local food bank because that's where I, I was volunteering there. No way. Now, this is your daughter who's like nine years old or yeah, something? Yes, she was 10 at the time, yes. And she was the one that got you into community gardens? Well, that's exactly what I wanted to share. So she, she filled out an application. Yeah to get money to start a little garden and she received a letter back saying that they had so many applicants that um, unfortunately she did not receive the grant. Hmm. Well, one of the volunteers at the food bank that I was volunteering at had, I had told her about it. And so when she kept inquiring, so did Ann get the grant? Was she able to get the money? And um, I said, oh, unfortunately she didn't. And she said, well, you know what? My husband and I are going to give her the same amount wow. as as what that grant would have been so that she can do that. That's amazing. I did not know that history. I've, yes. And I've talked with you about the gardens in the past. Yes. So that was just a simple garden. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and really the experiment that started gardening in the desert, mm. you know, trying different plants. And so, um, she and, and my husband would, would have Walmart bags and they'd bag up produce mm-hmm. and take it around to some of the different people on the reservation or in page wherever. And so that really started getting us, um, thinking about things. And we said, you know, um, we don't want to be the ones just growing all of this stuff and enjoying the process, we should, you know, have a type of community garden where we can have other people get their hands in the dirt Mm -hmm. and experience gardening with us. Mm -hmm. So that kind of was just um, 
what got us started, aside from my husband's amazing, he just has such a passion for gardening. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing team. And uh, and so basically, you've been doing this for now seven years, if I got it right? Yes, pretty much. Yes. Now, a lot of things changed in uh, 2019, 2020, pandemic, things shut down, produce uh, for some people in areas that uh, you know don't have access yes. maybe to things uh, is readily uh, probably more difficult, I'm assuming. What, what, what happened in Page? So in 2020, um, we, we started uh, planting as usual in the greenhouse. So we had a lot of seedlings. And because of the pandemic, we didn't feel comfortable in, in really putting out signage too much or advertising, but people knew we were there. Mm-hmm. So we started having people kind of trickle in and saying, do you have plants? We had, um, we sent flats and flats of seedlings onto the reservation and, and there was lockdowns on the reservation. So we wanted to respect that. We had someone who met my daughter and I on the road on the side of the road so that we could still provide plants. And, and we just met at the side of the road, quickly transferred everything into the back of her vehicle and she took it on into the reservation and we went back home and that Mm. was 2020. So in 2020, there were a lot of people, as you know, at home. Mm -hmm. And I think that people were seeing with the shortages of food in the grocery store, we need to get back to self-sufficiency. And I know Mm. that on the Navajo reservation, President Nez did talk about um, getting back to the roots of self-sufficiency on the Navajo Nation. And we wanted to help be a part of that. Tremendous. So this is this is exciting. So really, uh, a pandemic that was shutting things down actually seemed to really help open things up. Yes. And then um, coming into 2021, of course, as we were, we have to start a lot of those seedlings in January, end of January, February. So not knowing what this spring and summer would bring, we just started, um, you know, sowing a lot of seeds and oh it was just amazing uh starting in march there were days from eight in the morning seven thirty in the morning sometimes we would be eating breakfast and we'd hear the bell ring not on our house we have a shed okay. out in the garden area and it has a doorbell on it so uh-huh. if, if people come and they don't see us around in the garden they'll ring the bell and and we can come out and help mm-hmm. them so sometimes as, as early as seven thirty, we would have people coming to the garden and saying you know what plants do you have available so pretty much from um sometime in the end of march first of april into the end of may we had hundreds literally hundreds of people coming to our community garden um for plants to <laughs> I mean, this is just a very, very fascinating to me, Nancy, because when I think of community gardens, typically I think of people from a community coming to an area, you know, a large plot or, you know, some acreage where they're all gardening together. Exactly. That is the traditional thought, yes. But you're doing something very different. You're basically acting like a a nursery, right? You're growing seedlings and plants. and Exactly. And because of the nature of the Navajo Reservation, Mm -hmm. we have people that are spread out. Right. So right. it's it's not really practical for them to come from from their locations an hour, two hours away to mm-hmm. garden 
and, and tend the garden like they would need to. Mm-hmm. And so while we do have, you know, the gardens growing there, the providing the plants has been very helpful. But beyond that, um, what has happened is my husband has a lot, 30 years plus of gardening experience. Wow. So, um, he offered, uh, gardening classes this summer, spring, and, and then people actually have just been coming and they'll say, where's Pastor James? We mm. need to, you know, talk to him about what to do with our garden and what, what to do. So, so it's turned into, um, him spending a lot of one-on-one time with people, you know, giving them different advice. And so it's been really exciting and it's been really fun. And it's really exciting to me in the context of Indian country. I mean, here we're at this ASI convention, and a lot of folks who listen, they realize that people who come to this convention are generally people from a Christian mindset that have a ministry focus. They want to help other people. And we often talk on this show about the fact that Christianity among some people in Indian country is not necessarily a warm term. People took the name of Christian and did some terrible atrocities throughout Indian country in multiple settings. Exactly. And what I love about the story you're telling is here is someone who's identified as a pastor, but he's not trying to, quote, convert people. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're not going to get into what his theology exactly. is, but the point is that they know him as the gardener who's helping, who's trying to help people make it through COVID and eat a healthier diet. And to me, this, from my standpoint, puts the kind of perspective, the light on Christianity that to me is so appropriate because, I mean, I can relate to both sides of the issue. I was an agnostic uh, as a young man and uh, later embraced a a Christian worldview. And uh, to be honest with you, I resonate with a lot of people who, quote, hate Christians. And no, I mean, because you're following along with me. So I love what you guys are doing. You told me an interesting story off air just about the impact that you're having, you know, broadly, your husband went to fill up the car with gas. Tell me how that uh, story played out. Yes. Yeah, so my husband was driving across the reservation because we have another mission, um, you know, in the middle of the Navajo reservation. And just as an interesting um, side note, as we're, as we're, he was on his way to that mission where we just recently were able with the help of a nonprofit organization called Maranatha, we were just able to put up a 33 by 80 foot greenhouse. Oh, wow. Because what started happening is we were having people drive a hundred miles to us to get plants wow. off the reservation from a hundred miles. And, and they'd say, Oh, we need 20 squash plants or we need this. Mm. And, and I'm saying, wow, we need to take this further. And, and actually a couple um, different chapter officials have said, we really need help with gardening and agriculture. Wow. So my husband was driving uh-huh. over um, to that mission and he had to stop and get gas. And, and someone got out of his car. He, he didn't really even recognize who the person was. Mm-hmm. And he said, pastor, pastor. Um, and I guess my husband must have looked a little bewildered <laughs> and, and, um, he said, I bought plants from you at your greenhouse. I got, I got plants. Would you come and see my garden? And, and that invitation really 
really warmed my husband's heart. Mm. It really did because um, those are the kind of connections we want to have with people, this mm-hmm. uh, reciprocal relationship. They show us what what they're doing and, and what's worked for them in their uh-huh. gardens, and we share the knowledge that we have and just, you know, work together like that. No, this is just an inspiring story. And then I was so glad that you uh, inspired your daughter, Anne, and uh, and Jacob to join us in a previous segment on this show because it's great to see that kind of spirit of we're family. We're all in this together. And, and Jacob mentioned something toward the close of that segment where he said that the the church or one of the churches that your husband is pastoring is called the All Nations Church. Yes. And, and that... I, I think was an interesting term. Why is the church called the All Nations Church? So we, when we were thinking about a name for the church, we were thinking of something that would be inclusive mm-hmm. of all of us because truly we are all one family. Mm. We are all one family. And so we wanted our church to have a name that felt like everyone mm-hmm. could be included in our church. Mm-hmm. No, no barriers, no racial barriers, just, um, just family. And is that concept seeming to resonate with people uh, or is it a slow process? It's a slow process, Uh but I do think that people feel that. In fact, we had day camp this summer and of course we had all different nationalities of people Mm -hmm. involved in that day camp. Wow. Wow. So this is exciting stuff. We want to talk some more with you. Are you able to stay by for our final segment? Yes, sure. Okay. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose. Across from me, Nancy Crosby. She's the Pacific Union Native Ministries Coordinator, doing some exciting things in Page, Arizona, and beyond, as you've been hearing. We're going to hear more in our final segment. We'll tell you how to get a hold of Nancy, how to tap into some of the things that she's doing, and uh, maybe do something similar or help her do something better in her neck of the woods. We'll be back with our final segment right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I'm just texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What is a number story? My number story started with fear and a lack of support, and it has led me to be there for others. A number story begins in our childhood with ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. My number story begins with the separation from my father and the emotional abandonment from my mother and leads to me being a role model to not only myself, but those around me by becoming the person that wasn't there for me. 
Aces are so common, two-thirds of us have one. My number story begins with drug abuse and homelessness and leads to realizing that I can live life by my own standards. A study found the more ACEs, the more likely we may experience a host of serious health effects, physical and mental, but that doesn't need to be the case. Your ACE number is simply an entry point to your own story. Where it leads is up to you. My number story begins with years of emotional abuse and leads to peace, clarity, and security in my self-worth. Take control of where your number story leads at numberstory.org. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose and with Nancy Crosby. We're finishing up today's show talking about some exciting things happening in Page, Arizona, and the surrounding area. It's uh, being conducted, a lot of it, under the umbrella of community gardens. And I'm so grateful that Nancy is uh, not ashamed to correct the host because we've been mentioning... Uh, Jason and Ann, and uh, she said, I think, uh, Dr. DeRose, you might have called him by a different name. But it was Jason and Ann who were on our uh, uh, segment, a couple of, uh, actually the second segment of this show. And uh, we were speaking about this uh, this day camp program. And I think one of the things that may not have come out clearly, Nancy, is just how tightly the day camp is connected with the community garden. Help us to understand that dynamic. Yes, so um, the name of our community garden is Seeds for Life. Okay. And so um, just the idea of planting seeds um, in people's lives uh, with gardening, creating that love of the outdoors and, and life, new life and mm-hmm. growth. And so um, it's very very much connected with our day camp because day camp is in the summer. Mm -hmm. And so our first harvest, usually because we plant in March, April, and May, so some of our first harvesting is coming on when the day camp kids are there. So they get to be a part of harvesting, and then we go inside and we'll have a little cooking class with the food that they harvested. And I'm going to tell you, the kids absolutely love it. That's great. And they make a huge mess, but they have uh-huh. so much fun. And then they take, sometimes it's something that they make that they take home with them. And they're so proud to go and show that mm. to their, their parents. Like, we made this. We picked this from the garden. We picked this zucchini from the garden. And, and then we made this zucchini bread. And they bring it to their parents. They're mm-hmm. so excited mm. at the end of the day. But the other way we use it is also um, having a – we break the kids up in groups. And so each group gets a chance to be in the garden. And so they'll harvest. And then they'll come up with me or someone else and, and bring it. And we'll integrate that in that lunch meal for that day nice so they get to see how the food tastes Mm -hmm. fresh from the garden wonderful and the different ways that you can cook with it so um you would think in arizona a hundred this summer was was brutally hot Mm -hmm. we had days of 109 i mean for weeks Mm -hmm. and you would think the kids would be complaining about being in the garden but um they love it they love it. They'll be picking blackberries and, and, and we limit them. We'll say you each can have three blackberries, you know, cause we have to 
you know, save some for our recipes or whatever, because uh -huh, uh -huh. one of them would just maybe want to sit there and just eat all the blackberries. <laughs> okay, fair so, so then that first harvest, sometimes the plants are, are done. Maybe it's broccoli and it's too hot. So mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll pull out all that broccoli out of the bed, and then the kids will replant maybe wow, with some okay. butternut squash. So, so the kids that come to day camp get to experience the garden from harvesting and planting the whole gamut of, of the gardening just because of, you know, where we live in Arizona, mm -hmm. we have a long growing season. No, it's, it's really exciting. So I know a lot of tribes that are doing the community gardens. I know about a lot of day camps that are happening throughout Indian country. And I'm be the last one to say that I even know a fraction of what's happening throughout Indian country. But the point is, I haven't heard about other programs that are doing this kind of integration between a community garden and a day camp. I'm sure they exist, but I'm just thinking some of my folks that are listening, some of our regular listeners throughout Indian country are saying, wow, this is a great idea. Just hearing the idea, I think, is enough to help people run with it. But are there some logistic challenges that people might want to be aware of in trying to pull together a day camp and a community garden? Well, first off, it is a ton of work. Okay, <laughs> it fair is enough. a ton of work. And, you know, when we think of, of kids, we are just planting seeds because at their age, their attention spans are a little bit short. And so, but each year it's exciting to see them love it more and more. Mm -hmm. And many times having the kids with you is more work than if you were to do it by yourself. Okay. But yet, again, it's planting those seeds and helping them love the gardening so mm -hmm. that they get a passion for it because as they grow older, then they will be a huge help and they can take it back to their own communities. And and that's another thing that we do. We'll have little pots and we'll mm -hmm. let them plant their own little shoes. Maybe they want to have a, a grow an herb pot oh, okay. or some of them want to do a flower pot. Some of them want to do tomatoes and then they take that pot home with them and, and nurture their own little little small pot garden, uh -huh, you know, container nice. garden at home. Okay. So uh, that's, it. we found it to be um, really exciting. And we have, we have sheep and, and chickens as well. Uh -huh. And so the kids are able to see how the animals play into that whole cycle of, of gardening because, uh, you know, when one garden is finished, we'd let the chickens go in and, and eat this, the remaining plants uh -huh. and the seeds and uh -huh. the bugs. And then, um, you know, it's ready to plant again and move the chickens to the other area. So, mm. and the kids love playing with the chickens as uh -huh. well and uh -huh. gathering the eggs and throwing like maybe some damaged produce over to the chickens and okay. stuff. Okay. The weeds go to the chickens. So when I hear sheep and I hear Navajo country, I mean, I think in a lot of people's minds, those are synonymous. How frequent is it today in the kids that you're working with for them to have come from a family setting where they have uh, fowl or sheep, but is that pretty common still or is that un more unusual? It depends on the location. At least some of them have connections through maybe their grandparents or mm -hmm. great grandparents. But the interesting thing um, is that we are on one of the main corners of town. Okay. So we we have some of the most traffic of where you come into Page okay. and going by. 
and and right on that corner we have three sheep mm-hmm. um and we have uh maybe about 75 chickens wow. right there and and then the whole garden so we're pretty much in a um high traffic area and uh-huh. and sometimes we have people who just come and and just walk around they're just there and and they'll sit down and they'll say you know it's so peaceful here i could just sit here and mm. watch all day mm-hmm. but it, but it's amazing when we have um you know some navajo people come that do have sheep and i'm able to sit down beside them and say hey i've had this issue with my sheep or and mm-hmm. we can talk about it and they can give me some some Excellent. remedies Excellent. And for Excellent. for my sheep uh-huh. and and um, where can i find somebody that that might be able to do this or that for my sheep and mm-hmm. and and so again that reciprocal relationship um between us of information and and sharing that is so great. Nancy, I know that's what you're all about. That's what your family's all about. There are folks that are listening. They're saying, hey, this is a great idea. We can run with it in our tribe, in our cultural setting, wherever we're at. Urban setting, uh, maybe a little bit more challenging, but people but are, are hey, doing all hey, that's kinds what of, we're doing. Right? Yes. Right? Okay. So here's the question. If someone wants to get a hold of you, because even though it sounds straightforward, I know there's going to be bumps in the road. And folks are going to say, wow, I wish I had gotten some information as to how to track down Nancy Crosby. What's the way to do it? So they're, they are welcome to call or email. Okay. And my phone number is 217-322-2516. you got to give me that again. Please okay. help me. Go for it. 217-322-2516. Okay. Okay, so I've got it here now. Area code 217-322-2516. That's right. And then what about if someone wants to reach out to you electronically? Yes. So they could email me at P-U-C, Native Ministries, at gmail.com. Okay, so P-U-C stands for Pacific Union Conference. That's correct. P-U-C, Native Ministries, at gmail. That's right. Okay, we have got that. And just for the benefit of my listeners, you know, whenever you hear one of our shows, you're listening on a conventional station, we send out information to all the networks that carry our shows with contact information for our guests. So feel free to to reach out to whatever station is airing our program, and they can help you if you didn't get that information. Nancy, I don't know. It always happens this way, but we get great guests, and the clock always wins. Yes. You know, I know. I know we could talk about a lot more, but while we're in the home stretch here, folks have been listening to this show. They've heard about the day camp. They've heard about the community gardens. What message would you like to leave folks with as we wind things up today? I think that it's important to think about our future, mm. and our future is our children mm-hmm. and sustainable agriculture. Wow! Wow! Nancy, well put. Again, that was Nancy Crosby. If you didn't get her contact information a moment ago, phone number 217-322-2516 or email pucnativeministries at gmail.com. Nancy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And thank you to each one who's tuned in today to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. For all of us, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.